You're listening to the Madcast Media Network. Madcastmedia.com. Today's episode is brought to you by the best store in the universe. Thousands of shirts, but not really. Shop now and support the show at MaddoxRules.com. Welcome to the best debate in the universe. Every debate in the universe from overfished albacore to slamming your dong at the door with over 4 million downloads. I'm your host, Maddox. With me is the rear admiral of tangents, Ron Babcock. Overfished albacore? <laughs> and special guest this week, Jay Todd Anderson. Howdy, howdy. Hello. Welcome back to the show. It's a big problem, overfished albacore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big problem. Is slamming your dong in the door a big problem as well? You know what? Depends on the size of your dong. I guess so. (laughs) I've I've never slammed it in the door, so I guess it's not that big. It it could be an average size problem too. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, we should uh, talk about the debate this week. This week we're going to be debating what is the perfect movie, and we have the perfect guest to do it. His name is J. Todd Anderson. He's a storyboard artist, director, writer. You've done storyboards for Raising Arizona, True Grit, Big Lebowski. I've done all the Coen brothers from Raising Arizona on. Yeah, amazing. Blood Simple is when I was in college. Yeah. Um, and then I I found those guys, you know, in, uh, uh, when we they were making in Arizona. That's where I, I ran into them. How, so. how did you run into them? Well, it wasn't. I didn't exactly run into them. Um, I had... I was in uh, college and I had been making small movies um, and you know I wasn't really a film student but I was a communication student and what I did is I went in there and used the uh, film facilities and I uh, just took classes and uh, and then almost everything I did was on super 8 millimeter back then where all the other kids they were shooting on 16 reversal uh, 16 negative I didn't the have the money yeah they, this is the kids <laughs> of the money but I thought Okay, well, you know, I'll make five to one here. And uh, that's exactly what I did. And I had a really good Nikon camera. And um, I set up a, a place at the college so you could buy all your film there. And um, so I just started experimenting, making movies. And um, I made about three or four of them. And, uh, and I, I had started reading up on how to do this, you know, because I'd watched movies all my life, you know, as a kid, because... That's all they ran all night long when there was only three stations. You know, yeah. they, they had the film library and that's what they ran. So I stayed up all night in the summertime watching movies. So I, I when I started taking some of the theory courses, I said, yeah, I've seen that picture. I've seen that picture. I've seen that picture. And um, and I started reading up on it. And uh, I read how Hitchcock had done all his stuff with storyboards. And so fortunately, I was able to draw. I had been drawing at a very early age. And so... Um, I started making a movie without storyboards, and then I'd make a small Super 8 movie without with storyboards. And I noticed there was an extreme difference in how they played and how they worked, you know, yeah. for, for our little audiences in our classes. And so I, I, I stumbled onto this situation at school uh, where I got an idea to make a, a movie, you know, and I made this small movie. It was about 20 minutes long. And I just went to town as far as winning all the film festivals, the Super 8 movie, you know. And I just took it everywhere. And I, every time I need $350, I'd have to wait for it to turn around But because uh, you sent it in a can back then. And uh, that movie just just went for me, you know. And, uh, wow. and and when I saw how the audiences reacted to it, I thought, hey, this is pretty cool. And, uh, and then secondly, I made money. I thought, cool, because I'm working in a warehouse right now. And I was, you know, working my way through college. 40 hours a week in a warehouse and so uh, I'd seen Blood Simple 
uh, at one of the theaters we had in Dayton, Ohio. You know, that's where I'm from. And uh, I thought, wow, these guys, man, they're talking to me. That's what's going on. Because everybody we kind of idolized back then, they were a lot older, like Spielberg, Scorsese, yeah, all those yeah. guys. And I got a hold of this book. It was the Raiding, Raiders of the Lost Ark um, illustrated screenplay where all those really great Sherman Levy and all those really great storyboard artists that were before me. Yeah, I that's think I've how, seen that, yeah. It's beautiful. And, yeah. and I just studied the heck out of it. And that's when I made my movie. I thought, okay, this is what I'll do. And it worked. Now, for those listening who like don't, I've never really heard a storyboard before. Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect way to describe it. It's just like an illustrated uh, kind of movie, yeah. screenplay, where basically you go through and you're drawing, you're working with the Coen brothers, deciding like, okay, this is how this scene is going to look. Yeah. And you kind of just draw it in like, almost like a comic book. Well, you know, it's not really a comic book because you can't really shoot a comic book. It's really difficult for continuity. But a storyboard, you have to be able to shoot it. Now, the, the people that you deal with, Ron, they don't have to deal with gravity. So you don't have to worry about that stuff. And gravity is everything. For me, It's it goes down to industrial accidents. It's like how far we're going to pitch this thing and how far this car is going to fly. And, you know, and you have to kind of think about this stuff before you do it. And one of the ways you think about it is that I draw it. And uh, one of my sayings that I adhere to and I made it up is uh, there are only two villains in the movies. Only two. Everything else can be connected. Have you seen the Avengers? To those two villains. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you know, conventionally. There are only two villains. Nazis. Yes. And gravity. Oh, (laughs) I was going to say Nazis and pedophiles. Those are another big one. Well, I have never drawn one of those. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a... (laughs) Well, not even uh, even, uh, uh, the Pendejo. What's his name? Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one talks about the Jesus. Yeah, I had to draw him. Yeah, okay. So we've got a... We've got (laughs) We got you up against the wall now. There we go. We got the Jesus. Do you have a favorite, like, storyboard uh, that you've done? Or, or, like, what's the one... Do you have one that you're, like, most proud of? Well, the book that I have out now, they it's in there. And then there's another book that the Adam Nyland, I think his name is, the English guy. It's a big compendium book of all their films and an interview by me. And it's where the dude and Julianne Moore are in bed, you know. The only reason I think that's my favorite, because it's the only one I can say that's the nicest drawn, because I never have time to draw them really super nice. But luckily on The Big Lebowski, I had a lot of time to draw nice storyboards. And that's my personal favorite because I think, yeah, yeah, I can look at this one again. But most of them I can't look at. Yeah. And we should we should also mention the name of the book. It's called The Big Lebowski, The Official Storyboards. And it is beautifully done. Thank you, Maddox. Yeah, of course. I'm I, getting cooler here. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Maddox, it, I want to tell you how much I thank you very much for that comment. Oh, of course. Of course. It's well, beautifully he was telling done. us before, before the podcast, I thought this was really interesting. Like everybody on set had a copy of the storyboards. Yeah. And so like, everybody knew like what you were going for right well the visually film... it was like this is what we're going for everybody's on literally on the same page mm-hmm. and i'm like man it must be such an efficient way of making a movie yeah well, we've done it we just refined the process through the years you know as we've got you know i have to keep up with those guys so i've gotten a little smarter and um wait so how did you meet the coen brothers because we kind of uh you mentioned you you uh, started yeah, doing stuff in college in college yeah well when i found out where they were working i was i did a couple made-for-TV movies before I met them, and that was just as an idiot in the art department, you know. Uh, I painted cowboy boots and stuff like that because I just want to get in the movie business. And um, and then when I heard that they were in Arizona, it's actually Ethan's version of it is in the book, which is, 
you know, pretty much true. But anyway, I've, I they, figured they out. He wrote the afterword. Yeah, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's, he explains it in there, you know, because they always think it's really funny that we were starving to death. And, um, <laughs> always a hilarious story. <laughs> yeah, so, always, always a ch- good chuckle. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, they always make it better because, you know, they embellish it and make it much more interesting than what it is, you know. And, um, but anyway, I chased, uh, I found out they were in Phoenix. And I was in Texas, and my friend Roger Belk and I, Roger said, let's go, let's go. And I didn't have any money, but he said, let's go. I got my dad's credit card, and that's what we did. And uh, and there was a pretty good-looking girl down there I was after at the time. And uh, so uh, we got down there, and, you know, um, after some... <laughs> problems we we got our jobs which is too long to mention <laughs> but we ended up getting those jobs and one of the things that got me my job is is that uh joel and ethan had seen my little movie you know and uh that really put the icing on the cake oh, very you know, i cool. got the job yeah. the little movie that i made in college yeah. um and um it was very nice because uh they told me one day they said well we gotta decide whether we like you or not and um i said okay <laughs> and after about three days of drawing, you know, they sat. They, when we sat down at the table to work, they go, "You'll be glad to know, Jay Todd, that we've decided we like you, so hey. we're going to keep you." You know, there it is. as somebody who works as an editor, I find that it is so much more important mm-hmm. that you're liked. Uh, then like, yeah, any they can hire anybody who knows how to push what yeah. buttons to do the stuff. But it's really like. I find that in this business, it's like you just want to find someone that you can hang out with for eight hours at a time and not want to like just, you know, put a shotgun in your mouth over it. Like it's just, it's just because there was, I've worked with people who are like really good editors, but they're just difficult to work with. And you're like, I don't want to hang out with you, man. That's that's the number one advice I give to people. Uh, I just hung out with uh, an animator friend of mine and he was interested in taking out his pitches and stuff. I'm like, listen, man. This is going to sound counterintuitive, but nobody gives that much of a shit about your idea, even if it's brilliant. They care about you and how cool you are to work with. Because yeah, because it's like, are, are you going to be a headache? Yeah. And if you're going to be a headache, you better deliver something that's right. worth the headache, or you just be cool and then also deliver something that's like awesome. There's like five people in this world who can be a pain in the ass and people don't care. And there's like Steven Spielberg, you know, like the tops of the Tom Hanks. You're, you're going to cast him in no matter what. But you remember when Michael Jackson made that last film before he died? Incidentally, I got to work with that man. It was really fascinating. Very cool. Um, and there was one kid who was like kind of arguing with him, you know? And I thought. What are you doing? And and he just kept arguing. And I thought, this is Michael Jackson here, man. You're supposed to say, I well, can make this happen. I can do what this. What were they arguing know? about? And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> what kind, well, it's on the documentary. And there he is. And, and you could tell. I thought, who are you irritating here? I don't know how long he lasted. Who knows? Um, Get him out uh, of here. <laughs> once I think once people find out they, have, they are expected to work beyond their expectations. Yeah. And then they'll be successful. That's sure. where you separate a lot of the wheat sure, from the chat sure. because you know you got to work beyond your expectations. Do you, do you to be feel successful. like you have you been pushed by the Cole oh brothers? yeah heck yeah those guys push me hard. They're, they're, so there's two of them. <laughs> <laughs> they one, can take shifts. <laughs> one holds me and the other one beats on me and then they tag team like in some wrestling match and yeah. they switch off and then the other no not like that it's not that graphic but they do they they'll push man and uh i had to deliver and uh, sometimes you know i i go into a little bit different gear and state of mind when i'm around them because you know 
if they're not happy, it's no good. Are when and when you're you're working with them, is it pretty? Is it like a nine to five thing, or is it just like balls to the wall until it's done? Well, like it just depends on what we're doing and how tight the schedule is. Like the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, there was a lot of stuff that had to be done in a short amount of time. So we had uh, meetings quite frequently and longer meetings, you know, maybe two and three hour meetings because there was a lot of stuff to be drawn. And then I go off and I render them once and then they okay them. Then I render them again. There's a couple steps in the process. And, um, you know, like then there's other movies where they're not that hard. Like it wasn't intolerable cruelty. That was pretty easy. Um, as far as the setups, but like no country for old men and true grit, there was some very extensive work setups in there, you know, that we had to get done. Because I remember that was, uh, that was, there was a lot of getting it exactly the way they want is, is what my job is. You know, it's, I don't need a pat on the back. It's, you know, I'm getting the job done. And, uh, I was always very pleased when, you know, it came together because a good storyboard, if you do it right, and you should know that if you do it right, the thing will just go together. Mm-hmm. It'll just go together. If you know what you're doing when you're making a storyboard and you know how to, like those guys, they work from the middle out on their shots. They don't ever start from the top of the shot and work down. They always figure out what the shot's about and then they work outward, outside. That's so you know? fascinating. Yeah, they're they're very organic. Um, this shot's about, you know, this is what we're doing here, Jay Todd. See, this is what happens, you know, and they have all, all sorts of different ways. They tell me how, what makes it work. So are you translating this kind of like visually like they're telling you like hey this is what happens mm-hmm. in the scene yeah and i keep drawing and then you until draw they say, yes. until they're like shit so you're yeah. like kind of translating their vision and then you That's show right. it to them I am like, no ah, different. it's not quite it and i am no different than a translator when somebody's translating a language because i'll stand there with my clipboard or else i'm at the table and i'll just keep drawing is that it like for instance you know they'll say uh we have this little thing we call head size and um and I kind of know what the shot is because they've explained it to me. I don't read really deeply under their scripts because I wait for them to tell me things. And uh, and I'll, I'll kind of know where he's at, you know. And, and I'll draw the head. I said, head size. And I keep drawing bigger. Head size. <laughs> head size. And they'll go, that's it. And then I'll, I'll have an idea of what the scale of the shot is. And then I figure out where the eye line is. And then, in, and and if I know it's a compound shot, like if you see in my book, you'll see how we do it. This is exactly, the book is exactly how we do it. You'll see maybe two and three panels that show how we set the shot up. And uh, you follow those panels and you'll get it right, you know? Yeah. Um, it's amazing too, but because I posted as, as a thumbnail preview that you were coming on the show, the shot from the movie where the dude is flicking his cigarette butt and it bounces off the window, lands in his lap, burns himself, and he starts screaming and then runs his car into. And that is like shot for shot in the movie. You see that and it saves so much time, I can imagine, because I've seen director notes. I've seen shot lists. And and usually a director, a, a traditional uh, director will just write out in detail what the shot lists are. But this is just so visual and you can just literally translate every single panel into a shot. Well- what blows my mind is like, if you ask me like, well, how do you think the Coen brothers make their movie? I would be like, I mean, maybe they talk to like the director of photography and they're trying to plan out the shot and they're yeah. smoking a cigarette or whatever. And, they, and then they get the shot and then they get it from this angle and then and you get it in the room. And it's so like, I, I honestly didn't know that people kind of still made movies like this where it's like, no, you, you're drawing the whole movie and then you're basically draw, just going off that The movie is guy. already shot yeah. in storyboards before you shoot it. It's like you made all the it's decisions in storyboards. It's right. been visually rehearsed, and that gets down right down as close as we can get to the eye lines and the pacing and all that stuff. So that when they get out there, 
all they have to do is communicate with the actors and and whoever's lighting the show at that time will light it. So, a lot of people they set up the camera guys set up their own, you know, they set up their own shots, but that's not the way those guys work. And all the really good directors I work with, not to say that the other ones are bad, it's just not for everybody, but almost all of them will take charge on their shots and setup. And then that leaves the DP with plenty of time to light the thing beautifully instead of being tied down to like setting up a shot yeah. and just the directors over there like telling jokes. You're kind of, so you're basically giving the people to do like the best part of their job. Well, that's what I often say. I mean, the best part, the best directors are those guys that they just deliver a really absolutely absolute supreme direction and then they let the really good people take that direction turn it into something they never dreamed of you know that's a good process when you can do that when you take you know they got your direction and that's it and then they're so skilled at what they do they take your direction and make it look like something you'll never dream of you know what i mean but the trick is is being is providing good direction yeah. That's the trick. So you know? were you able to be on set with the actors and performers? Were you having to draw? I mean, you, you got their likeness perfectly in these shots. They were already cast on this movie. On the uh -huh. Big Lebowski's, in the book, you'll see that almost everybody kind of looks like who they're supposed to look yeah. like. I tried that. I worked at it. You know, sometimes I miss. But... um that was already the movie was already cast when I walked into it, and most of those people I knew, you know, yeah. from previous movies. And... um and so I kind of knew their mannerisms and their gestures um, because the brothers would, they often like act things out for me sometimes. Yeah. And they're really yeah. hilarious. They, you know, once in a while I'll get a cold or something or, and I, I'm just getting off a cold and I'll end up coughing so hard. I can't even go on because they're making me laugh so hard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they do. It's a good problem they, to have. They really make me laugh hard, man. And on this movie, they made me laugh a lot, and I was able to kind of maybe put that into the storyboards. Well, that's know? great. So, uh, Jay Todd, we should also mention that we're giving away something very special. We're giving away a copy of this book. Wait a, a minute. No, I'm, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling a Rucka. Rucka, the old... Uh, Nobody told me about this. The old moderator for the show <laughs> pimped me into giving away free T-shirts. <laughs> he was like, hey, call in next week. Are you next saying week? my book is swag? <laughs> But we are giving away a book. Uh, this is an amazing gift, guys. Uh, it's just such a beautiful book. We're going to give it away to the fan who leaves the best haiku. Ooh. Go to madcastmedia.com. Write a haiku. It could be about the show. It could be about us. It could be about Ron. It could be about J. Todd Anderson, the movie The Big Lebowski. The best haiku is going to win. And we're going to send out that book to the uh, to the fan. With it's the 575, book. right? That's the syllables? 575 five? syllables, okay. yeah. So a haiku is a Japanese poem. And the first sentence has five syllables. The second sentence has seven syllables. And the third sentence has five syllables. I can't wait to read these. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they're going to be. And the book is legitimately awesome. And if you're a fan of the Coen Brothers and the Big Lebowski. Well, you can get it at uh, my website, which is one big long word, storyboardsbyjtoddanderson.com. So it's a one big long word, storyboardsbyjtoddanderson.com. Yeah. yeah the only or is it just Anderson. storyboardsbyjtoddanderson.com? Storyboards by J. Todd Anderson. Anderson.com. Got it. And between the that's J. A haiku. That's a haiku. <laughs> between the J and the T, there's no period in there like on my name. So yeah. just We'll link to it. We'll link to it on the website as well. Fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, you know. And is that the only place people can buy it or can they also get it? No, on you can. Here in Los Angeles, uh, it is at Book Soup. Book oh, I love Book story. Soup. Yeah, I had that's a signing there. And then yeah. it's at the, the place downtown, Hennessy and something, you know. Yeah. But you get the bigger cut if they go to J. Todd Anderson. 
Storyboards by Jay. I Lannis get the bigger cut, guy. and plus, um, I can draw a picture in there for you. Oh, oh I like that. Cool. It, it, the winner like. of the haiku will get a. Uh, I'll sign it and draw a nice picture of the Fantastic. dude. And whatever you inscribe, yeah, whoever the winner is, I will draw whatever you wish. Very. Cool. Oh, I draw man. with a brush pen, you know, like I do in real life. Oh, I like mm-hmm. those. And um, uh, I'll do that for you. And Very then cool. on March the 9th, twenty nineteen, uh, from seven to nine thirty at a shop called Quest downtown. Quest. Quest. It's Quest, a, and that's in downtown Los Angeles? Yes, and right downtown, right around 4th Street. That is on oh, March yeah. the 9th. March 9th. And that's from 7 to 9.30, and I will be signing these books there. Oh, very cool. Very um, cool. Well, you should check it out, guys. J. Todd Anderson, uh, very delightful. But we should also talk about what we came to debate this week. I mean, you know, I, oh, we, you guys we, are gonna we debate. have to debate. Cool. Well, we're all going to debate, but like, I, I've been I've been so interested Absolutely. in the conversation. Yeah. Like, yeah, we got a big debate. Yeah, speaking of great movies. Fantastic movies. We're going to be debating what is the perfect movie, but I should mention that at the tail end of the show, we'll have some voicemail. We're going to have a new Babcock tip. Dude, I'm going to tip you so hard. <laughs> I'm going to tip <laughs> gonna get a, so hard this a week. hard tip from Ron Babcock. And we got some quick news headlines and the results from last week's debate. All right. Uh, and I, I, uh, I'm still saving a shit ton of voicemail for Dreadmere next time he comes in because... You know, surprise, surprise, got his ass blasted again. <laughs> this keeps <laughs> happening. I don't know why this keeps happening to our buddy Dredmere. <laughs> but uh... he keeps opening his mouth. That's what happens. Oh, man, it's so much fun. I, I love it. I love that guy. Um, all right, but uh, before we continue, we should hear everyone's buzzer. Here's what mine sounds like. And Jay Todd. And Ron. If you hear a buzzer from anyone during this debate, that means someone is disagreeing with someone else or we're just chiming in. But, Jay Todd, as our guest this week, I'm going to give you first stab at the debate. What is... The perfect movie. Well, for many years, we did the show called Filmically Perfect on NPR, and it was, uh, we have 129 movies. You can still go to these things. It's perfectmovie.net. Mm-hmm. You can go there, and you can, all our shows are recorded. Um, and my partner, George Willeman, who runs the film, uh, the Nitrate Film Vaults uh, in Restoration, uh, we, would t- I would talk about the, the more modern movies, and he would talk about the historical aspect of movies. And we have a list of a couple hundred, uh, maybe three hundred perfect movies. And um, every show we would, you know, we talk about that perfect movie. Like the first one was, uh, uh, I think it was uh, uh, the day the Earth stood still. And we had four rules on that. I hope I can remember those rules. It's been a while, but um, I actually brought them. Oh, fantastic! Here we, yeah, Why don't here you it do is. it, Maddox? Yeah, here you I go. I like hearing your voice. Rule number one is a perfect movie creates the world it exists in. That is correct. All right. Rule number two is it. It's got tits. Mm-hmm. What? What? Got tits. What? Perfect movie? <laughs> I was wrong. Sorry, my bad. You go. You go. Uh I would I would say that qualifies. Uh number two is it wholly sustains that world. Right. All right. Number three is regardless of changes in society, it retains its meaning and entertainment value. And number four oh, is Oh, I like that one. Yeah, that okay, one. Okay, so it has a little staying power. That's the yeah. first first rule on this list I agree with. I'll say <laughs> I'll tell you why I disagree with those. And then number four is a perfect movie is never placed in any preferential or numerical order. Each film is perfect by its own scale. I would agree with that as well. What, because, what, what's that last one? What do you mean by that? So a perfect movie doesn't have to compare to any other perfect movie. Okay. Like, like a right. perfect movie, I would say, like in the It can live in and of itself. Exactly, yeah. So well, 
because because a perfect a perfect horror movie is going to be different than a perfect drama you know uh, dramatic comedy or something like that. Mm-hmm. I would say, or a perfect action movie. I could say I would say each genre could have its own perfect movie, but they don't have to necessarily be one perfect movie from that genre. Just a perfect movie. We even had cartoons like One Froggy Night is a perfect cartoon. Um, you know, we had short films, Ashanda Lanou, I think that's how you say it, you know. Um, so it's not a perfect pronunciation. No, I no, can't not, remember. How do you say that? Not, no idea. What's the movie? No one. I, I don't no even one know what knows. movie you're talking about. It was where they cut the, uh, cut the donkey's eyeball and, you know, make you think it's person's. Uh, what? Oh, that Louis, movie? Louis Benwell. You know? <laughs> Louis Benwell. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that clip What are you guys before? talking about? Oh, yeah, the only reason <laughs> what I... What movies are you watching? We all cutting reason... the dog eyes open. No, it's awful. I, the only reason I know this is a thing is because, um, Pot Awful... Uh, this guy who he used to he used to do yeah there's uh, another podcast he used to do a show on the Pot network <laughs> yeah he used to do a show on the network called Cringe vs Cringe when I first came across this guy I started watching his podcast and it's so well done his podcast but the intro to it had that shot that you're talking about Jay Todd which is someone slicing an eyeball open with a razor and it is so off putting that I was I tried to turn so many people onto the show and they they couldn't get past the intro because because <laughs> shot. Well, it was Louis Benwell and Salvador Dali, and they were. Uh, it's awful. They were talking about you know surrealism, and so they this girl's like sitting there, and they just take a, a big straight razor and they cut her eye. But oh it was a God. donkey's eye. That's yeah. what it was. But that was so unnerving. To it's lie. awful. But my point is, is that it's a very small short movie by Louis Benwell, and we consider it a perfect film. That's well, what, what would you say the perfect film is this week? What would you say your pick is? Well, I don't have a weekly pick. I mean, just um, just or, right for the sake of this debate, because I got one. I think um, when now we hardly ever George and I, George Willeman and I, uh, we never commented. Most of our films have been out of circulation for a while. There was hardly. I remember the Iron Giant was the latest one we had. You know, given it a perfect movie kind of wreath. Um, but I must say, Jordan Peele's movie from last year. Oh, uh, get out. That is a perfect movie. Wow! I mean that that right. movie talks about talks with a language that will last. It will it, it 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 succeeds all those. Now George is not here because George and I we have to agree on this stuff. But I'm pretty sure that he would agree because there was nothing like it last year. No, you know Jordan Peele could go anywhere he wanted with that movie, and he did it impervious.ly You know, and and it, you know uh, the true mark of a really great person is their vision and like we were talking about the Wright brothers the Wright brothers were way ahead of everybody in their own vision well that's where Jordan Peele is he is so far ahead in in you know prejudice and and everything with that movie it's just it's it's well ahead of his time and I think it will retain its meaning for years it really will yeah, he's a brilliant guy. I should mention, I, I know Jordan Peele, and I think you do too, Ron. You may, may have I met him. I briefly met him a, c- a couple times, I, you know, I hung just out. through the comedy scene. And it was like, so pleasant. Yeah, he's just a, a pleasant he's a, dude. He's a great guy. He's super nice. Um, I hung out with him. We used to play Murder uh, till like 9 in the morning. And this, this is like real like inside baseball stuff. But we used to go to this uh, this another performer, Susie Barrett. We'd go oh, yeah. we used to go to her place, and we'd play murder till like nine a.m. We'd start at like ten p.m. the night before and play for like twelve hours, and everyone's like what's, passing out. What's murder? Murder is basically uh, there's an, it's like mafia werewolf all the games where where somebody is a murderer around a table, and we oh get, you we mean all like have to, that murder? Like yeah. So the non video game, you're Not, talking like dining room table, dining game. room table, yeah, like a dining room table. So we'd play that for hours and. Uh, 
uh, yeah, he, he ended up like dating a friend of mine, but then like went on and his career is just skyrocketed. That guy's on the cover of uh, what's the magazine, Rolling Stone or something now. It's well, you crazy. know, regardless, whatever he does, or you know, like I don't think Spielberg has ever really topped Duel. You know, if you watch Jaws, it's just big Duel. That's what it is. What is Duel? I've never seen Duel. I've never seen Duel. What's Duel? A Duel is one of the most incredible movies ever. I've made. seen the fuck out of Jaws. So well, if you're telling Duel it, is like a, Jaws, I'm on oh, board. Oh, it's better than Jaws. You shut your mouth. There's two sharks. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, instead of a semi-tractor trailer truck, it's a shark. Okay. Um, and plus, if you watch Duel, which is a perfect movie, I might add, um, if you watch it, if you get the right version of it, Steven Spielberg will actually show you how to make very big, slow things very fast. And he's taking all these tricks of cinema that were passed down to his cinematographer at the time. Because when you watch that movie, you cannot believe how they make that truck come to life, man. It's just a big old semi-tractor Is this a, is this a movie where, where a car, like uh, basically a truck... Oh, I think I have seen this, Dennis actually. Weaver's in a little point it, of value. Is valiant. this the movie where um, Sylvester Stallone no. does arm wrestling no, so he can win the truck at the Get him over the top. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is over the top. Yeah, I know you're saying Duel, but I'm yeah. pretty sure you're mispronouncing no, over the top. Duel, uh, Duel is the movie, I, I believe, where the truck driver it, it becomes obsessed and kind of uh, ch- chases after some well, he right. has a non-entity. You never see his face. Yes, I have seen this movie. It is a really good movie. It's really creepy. Very much like The Shark. It has yeah. no personality. Yeah. And if you watch... Now, you know, uh, the tourists from France, they always said the director, a director makes the same movie over and over again. Now, if you watch Hitchcock's Saboteur, it has a very similar scene on the, with the Statue of Liberty as in North by Northwest, where they're falling off. Again, gravity and Nazis, you know? They're falling off the precipice. Um, And they claim that the director makes the same movie. Now, I must say, from my own experience, when we did No Country for Old Man, I called that the catalog of Cohen. Because almost every shot in that movie was something that they had worked with and had a great deal of success with in the shots. And I could could almost go through that movie and say, yeah, that's from Raising Arizona. That was, you know... Oh, whoa. Um... Because a, a filmmaker just gets stronger. It's you know, it's yeah. like they become better and better and better, and they end up making making. That's what the auteurs say. They say that he ends up making the same film over and over again. Which that's not a bad derogatory a bad remark. Well, Sam know? Sam Raimi, I noticed this when Oz the Great and Powerful came out. Oz the Great and Powerful is almost a shot for shot, beat for beat remake of Army of Darkness, which is Could one be. of my all time yeah. favorite movies. And I went through, and I made a video, and I showed just the shot comparisons. It is crazy. The same time in the same scene, they're doing the exact same thing. Like even to the point of like jumping up and grabbing in the in the movie Army of Darkness, he grabs a shotgun, and I think in Oz the Great and Powerful, he grabs a wand or he grabs like a well. Top they have hat. conventions that work for them very yeah. well, and Spielberg. If you watch even his more modern movies, uh, more contemporary music, excuse me, uh, you'll see incredible similarities to where he started. But for me, uh, I think Duel is the best thing he ever did because he was working on a, like a 10-day schedule. He storyboarded it right down to where, wow. it, you know, it's the nth degree. And um, when you watch that movie, it's impossible not to 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 stop watching it. It's impossible. Yeah, it's I remember, so good. I remember seeing this when I was a kid. It came out in 1971. It says here, David Mann, a mild-mannered electronic salesman, is driving. Dennis Weaver. Yeah, Chester, Dennis Weaver. Uh-huh. Chester and Gunsmoke. 
yeah, Dennis Weaver is driving across country on a two-lane highway when he encounters an old oil tanker driven by an unseen driver who seems to enjoy annoying him with dangerous antics on the road. Unable to escape the demonic big rig, David finds himself in a dangerous game of cat and mouse with the monstrous truck. When the pursuit escalates to deadly levels, David must summon his inner warrior and turn the tables on his tormentor. Now, this is... It sounds just like over the top. This is... No, I've never, not okay. at all. <laughs> Sorry. This, this movie, um, the, the genius of it is that you do have this giant... It's a diesel truck. You think, how menacing can a diesel truck be? Dude, diesel, diesel engines are... Are so loud. Oh yeah. Well, well as somebody who drives a diesel car, they run their sound right up to the limit on this movie with that sound. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. I, I drive a diesel car, and I gotta tell you, it's definitely the kind of car that lets you know it's working. Yeah. You know, this is a this is a creepy movie because imagine a slasher movie where the where the perpetrator is a diesel truck, and it's, it's like the the guy can't escape this truck the whole fucking movie. You're thinking like, how hard could it be? But they're trapped on this like long two lane highway. I wonder if this is where uh the the, the idea for night. Writer came from. I don't know. You know, like the. It was it, a made-for-TV movie. It was a movie of the week. The that's duel. What it was. The duel. Was? Yeah. It was, it, yeah. It it was, maybe cheap. that's why I never heard of it. It was a cheap movie shot. In ABC. It was daylight. for ABC. Yeah. And uh, there's one just extraordinary shot scene in this movie where. You know, Dennis is this Dennis Weaver is this haggard guy, just very much like he played in Gunsmoke. This this haggard, you know, Miss Marshall Dill and I don't you know and 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 the semi truck, he stops at a railroad crossing and the, the little things come down, ding 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 ding. And he's sitting there and he's he's beat this truck, you know, and he's he's so relieved. <laughs> and then, you know, out of nowhere the the car, it's a profile shot on the side, gets rammed forward you know with a big wild boom and he looks in the mirror and there's a de- the diesel semi pushing him into this train that's coming yeah, by and it just crazy. keeps pushing him in there uh-huh. and like spielberg just plays this audience like hitchcock said like a piano and uh that movie is is just to this day it's absolutely flawless and seamless you know yeah all right good pick good pick get so get out and the duel those are you know some of the things i can pull off the top of my just head. duel yeah well i've got to pick two ron you want to go next uh sure okay uh, man I, I gotta tell you this has been tough i've been like i've been what already no i just seen it for it <laughs> <laughs> i've been thinking of like I, god damn it <laughs> Hey, uh, if, I don't think viewers know that you have those little wire things hooked up, and every time they do that, you get electrocuted. Ross, it hurts. Ross getting shocked. I, I want to see mine work. Too. I wanted to like uh, to me a, a perfect movie. I mean, I know you guys have your list, but to me, a perfect movie is a movie that I can watch. A the first time I watch it, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, because I think that's the problem. Is a lot of times I watch movies and you know what's going to happen. You know. Um, Again, thank you for the support. Uh, and B, I, I, I want to... It's a movie I can also watch over and over again. And so I think back about... And I could just name my favorite movie. But I don't say my favorite movie is a perfect movie. But my choice is uh, The Great Escape. Ooh, The Great Escape. Uh, that is a movie I can always watch. To your point, the villain are Nazis. Nazis are gravity. Nazis, I'm Nazis. going with Nazis. Hey, Todd Anderson's rule. Two villains, Nazis and gravity. And there's just Nazis and The Great Escape. I mean, it was a movie I watched when I was a kid. It was an old movie. I was mesmerized. I I just watched it the other day. I've never seen it. What is that it's, movie? Are you high? You've never <laughs> seen The Great Escape? Dude, The Great Escape is a movie about... Um, a group of um, soldiers in World War II from the British and the American forces who get stuck in a Nazi uh, 
prisoner of war camp. And one of the thing, one of the like kind of the code they take is that even if you're captured, you still got to try and fuck shit up mm-hmm. because you can pull resources from the enemy. And so they're always trying to like, you know, cause trouble. And they have this idea of tunneling out of the camps and they do this huge long production where they all learn German. They all like kind of forge papers and they're all different people who work together to tunnel out of the camps and to hide it from the Nazi guards. And then comes the point, it's based on a true story where they actually tunnel and the day they go out, the, the spoiler alert for those who haven't seen the movie, but um, it, it doesn't go quite according to plan and they have to disperse. And I, I mean, even though it's based in truth, like I didn't know what happens at the movie and I, I want to tell you, but I don't want to tell you because just watch the fucking movie. It's a great fucking movie. I love spoilers. And it's, no, I won't spoil it for you. I'm going to look is, up the ending. I'm going to spoil it right no, now. Why would you do that? Just, <laughs> I just watch, love I'm it. literally telling you something you would enjoy. Just, I, you know, I just, I, I know I'll, I know myself, I'll spoil the movie. I, if I know the ending to a movie, I'm going to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is such a good movie and it, it, it's um it's patri- it's in, in a weird, it's patriotic to me without being like saccharine yeah. and uh yeah it's a it's actually it's Steven Spielberg's favorite movie that's how i found out that they sold chicken run to him remember the movie animated movie chicken that run that's a great movie man great movie that's a perfect movie and this too. is the way they pitched it to spielberg really they went it's the great escape with chickens and he went okay let's do it and that's how they got that. And that movie is actually literally the greatest escape with chickens. So, are you a fan of Chicken Run? I like chicken. <laughs> and I know you don't like. You know gr- that, that I know movie, you don't uh, like running, though. No, I don't like running. That's true, Rod. That movie. Uh, one of the most famous scenes in that is Steve McQueen jumping the barbed wire on a. And he, oh, you know, that movie. Yes, I have yeah. seen. That which he, that, uh, yeah. which, he didn't do all the stunts. He that. didn't do like he didn't do the big jump, but he did. He was a huge motorcycle. He racer. liked. He was a adrenaline junkie. You know, and he just and, like uh, they wouldn't let him do that one final jump. And that that but I mean, that's, that's that scene, scene that makes the whole movie that scene. It's you know, because it's so dramatic. Him trying to get away from these guys. You know, and uh, every time I see that movie, I think, oh, he's got to get away this time. No. Yeah, it's like when you watch Hoosiers. You know, you're just like. Are they are they going to win the big game? Yeah, of course they're going to win the big game. But you know, it keeps you on your edge. Uh, like the bridge, bridges of Toko Rio, you know, William Holden. Don't get in that jet, man. They're just going to shoot you down again. <laughs> all right, you guys got some good picks. You got Get Out, Duel, and The Great Escape. These are all good. And he, I almost said the fair to remember. He, I don't agree with it being perfect, but. Uh, I tell you what, it's one of my favorite movies because it, it was on the playground and bicycles and stuff like that. And I was just thinking about that movie the other day because it was it's such a cool movie. And what's got a great score, yeah. really beautiful. And uh, but it's not it's not on our perfect movie list because it's been kind of kind of been done before. You know, that's the only reason I. But say. you, but on your list, you said that it can't be compared to mm. other. No, other a perfect movie. movie yeah. can, a perfect movie can be compared to any movie because it's perfect a perfect movie is never placed in any preferential numerical order that's right each film is perfect by its own scale j todd anderson i'm saying your movie isn't perfect what's imperfect about it oh, i don't think it's perfect that's <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> well i it's can't got, argue with you got you there it's not you know, a we used movie. to tell people to get their own radio show but you guys got one uh, yeah, i can't uh, tell I'm you doing it i'm maddox it. what bullshit movie is you, yours? you know i got um, i got a movie ron and it, you will be embarrassed i like a lot of movies ron but they're not all perfect okay so. <laughs> you you mentioned the an affair to remember dude i almost ago, said yeah. an affair to remember because... that was your favorite horror movie pick right because <laughs> yeah, of unrequited because love d- dying alone <laughs> is the scariest thing that in the world one, yeah we had a debate uh jay todd a while back what's the scariest horror movie ron's was an affair to remember because of unrequited sorry we got too real for the listeners yeah i did get too real 
right, I should say, um, you know, this sounds a little ass kissy, but I am a huge fan of The Big Lebowski. I've seen the movie so many times. I remember seeing you gotta it. You got to be fucking kidding. No, You're choice. choosing The Big choice. Lebowski. It's not my choice. Fucking run! It's, I just say I'm setting up my my choice, oh, but I'm just God. I'm just okay. saying I'm not picking the Big Lebowski because okay. that that'd be too askissy. But I will say this. But I will say it to be askissy. Yeah, hey, you know what? I <laughs> I just happen to have a book here. Hey, I get it. I yeah, I'm gonna write that haiku. By the way, I'm judging. So <laughs> fine, that's good. You know. I, 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 on the mic. Oh, that's fine. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all for it. So, uh, no, but the first time I saw The Big Lebowski in theaters, I just, I walked out thinking, huh, you know, that's okay. And then I watched it again. And I was like, huh, that's pretty funny. And I watched it again and again and again. It's one of those movies where I just kept laughing and getting more out of it every time I watched it. And I guess that's the, that's how that fa- that cult following started with that movie. When it came out, it made like 39 cents. It didn't yeah, it didn't make, because I, I saw it in a little indie theater in Utah. I saw it, uh, first time I saw it, I was in college. I was at my uh, best friend Rob Sibley's house. Yeah. and we drank white Russians whenever the dude drank yeah. white Russians and I did not oh. see the end of it and then I watched it again and I was like I love this movie and I went to Lebowski Fest yeah. uh, down I think it's down in Orange County where everybody goes to the bowling alley yeah. and bowls I mean it's, it has become such a massive cult following itself. now Beyond that, though, what is your bullshit answer? My, it's not a bullshit answer, but I do want to mention that the, the Big Lebowski is what got me to start drinking uh, <laughs> in Utah. Like, I started drinking <laughs> pretty late when in my life, like around 27 or so, and I didn't know how to order alcohol or drinks or anything. So I went to a bar, and I, the only same drink age, I knew of- Same the, age I started shooting up heroin. You said, what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, the White Russian is the only drink I knew because of that movie, and so that's how I started drinking. I kept drinking these, like, syrupy, very sweet, <laughs> I was just- be hammering white russians all night and just like gaining 60 pounds anyway my movie pick all right perfect movie is the thing yes which one the john first carpenter's, one the second one or the third one the first one john carpenter's the thing is a fantastic the first movie. one was in 1956 okay not that one that's uh, that the was, one with, that was with james arnaz who was the thing no and then the remake was by john carpenter yes. which had kurt russell yeah. which is a pretty darn good mo- movie in itself. That is really a fantastic. Is. Okay, there's this movie. There's the movie, the thing. The premise is they these explorers who are, who have like a, a base in Antarctica come across uh, basically a, a large like UFO landing, crash landing, and they go to investigate. They don't really find much. It's kind of mysterious because there's like some crates that have been opened or something. They go back to the base, and suddenly some people on the base are acting erratically. They've been infected by this alien that is a shapeshifter and can take the persona of any living creature. So everyone on base becomes really paranoid of everyone else. And there's this one scene in the movie that is probably one of the best scenes I've ever seen in any movie where there's only one way they can test to see who the alien is, and that's to basically burn them alive. Well, they're not going to burn each other, right? That's unreasonable. But you can draw blood from everyone. And they light up a, a piece of metal, like a hot poker, and they dip it in the blood to see if the blood reacts. And it's the most intense scene you've seen because there's nine of them. I have five seen, them. I have been in a comedy sketch where this scene has been parodied. And I have, I, it's one of those scenes where you're like, I didn't know it came from something. Oh, yeah. Like I, I, was, I, never, I wasn't sure. It's a trope. Like yeah. it's something that's so iconic and I had no idea it was from that movie. Yeah, it's so good. It, you haven't seen that movie, Ron? No, you uh, you're wrong because I haven't seen it. Okay, if it was a perfect movie, I would have seen it by now. Okay, well then I can use that same logic to The Great Escape. 
I mean, that's your fault, though. Yeah, uh, you know what, though? Before we move on, because I got another pick, too. Jay Todd, I got to call you, you out picks? on this. Yeah, I, well, you I, I got to, if you got another no, pick. No, no, 1951 no. was the original thing, and uh, uh, that was, that was uh, uh, like, a, so different when it came out. Now, the, I think George and I have both those movies as one movie, as a perfect movie, because the premise is still really, really good. And, uh, but the third one really stinks. It's no good. Yeah. The, the first, the first one is a, it's just, or I'm sorry. The second one is a fantastic one. The John Carpenter one, but I got to call shenanigans. J Todd, I'm sorry. Uh Oh, um, cause your pick get out Jordan Peele's movie. Yeah. Rule number three, according to you says, regardless of changes in society, it retains its meaning and entertainment value. Now there is a scene in get out, where the father, you know, the the patriarch in this family is talking to the uh, the dude who's coming over to visit the house, right? Yeah. And he there's this conversation where he goes, you know, I voted for Obama, and he's kind of really hamming it up with that Obama thing, saying I'm not racist. I don't know you how think that dates the movie. I think that'll date the movie. Yeah, you know, I gotta tell you, like I said, we're chicken, we're cowards, and we always wait for the thing to get plenty of age on it before we declare it. But I was so moved by the perfection of this movie and how he was so in tune without offending anybody because he was so far ahead of them that I took that risk on that picture because that could date it. You're right, Maddox. It could date it. But I got to tell you, um, I don't know of anybody that's thinking like him nowadays. Uh, people making genuinely mo- movies. Yeah. Making movies. And no, music great... park rides and shit like that. I enjoyed the shit out of it. Yeah, it was a, good, it was a great movie. Uh, but also... you, you do have a point there because of it dating like, you know, Black Klansman. He put all that footage in from just recently, you know, and they were still shooting the movie. That's definitely going to slow that movie down as far as culture is concerned. You know, it'll be, oh, that's this time, you know. And, um, you know, I think that's perhaps why you liked the thing, John Carpenter thing, because the the first thing made in 1951 um, is is a semblance of post World War II um, guys. You know, yeah. it has a lot of post World War II stuff. Um, you know, like when everything got darker. But yours, the the one that you're picking, which is still incredible, has a little bit more contemporary feel to it, which it has not lost. You know? Okay, that's a, that's a really high high praise for a movie. I would say my my criteria for a perfect movie is very simple. It's would I change? Do anything? I get a boner? Do I, well, then I uh, there's this website called Pornhub. It you guys, you guys don't have a little spring movie. noise in here, man. You should have a spring noise. <laughs> uh, uh, no, not that one. Wait, there, it there we go. <laughs> Dreadmere swears that I'm doing that on purpose every time. I really do get those confused. <laughs> um, but very similar. <laughs> but um, yeah, would I change anything? That is my criteria for. Oh, a that's movie. fun. I like that. Yeah, that's yeah. A, actually a really good criteria. Would I change anything from this movie? Yeah, because you know we I always do that when I come out of movies. Like I loved it, but the, yeah, one thing's kind of weird. You know where like and it sticks in my craw. Like yeah. I can't I can't understand yeah. it. Like like I have a lot of opinions about Black Panther. Yeah, and like you I know would change a lot. In Black oh my Panther. god, there's so like yeah. people like lost their mind in Black Panther. There's so much that makes you think me the so sequel's angry. gonna be called like um you know Black. Blacker Panther? Yeah, or, or Blonde Panther Black or Panther. something like that. <laughs> or something really silly like Hollywood always does. Probably. You know? Yeah, probably some stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Um, th- so I talked about this with a comedian friend of ours, uh, Alex Fernie, because he brought this in. He brought the thing in, John Carpenter's The Thing, to debate during a tournament of show, uh, show 
one time. And he was making the case that it's a perfect movie as well. And I think we both agree that the criteria is, would you change anything? I don't think I would change a single damn thing in that fucking movie, uh, except uh, except maybe make it mandatory to watch it back-to-back twice. Um, but uh, I have one other pick, and this is, uh, you know, this is going to be a little hacky. I know I'm going to get shit for it, but fuck it. I'm going to say the original Ghostbusters. I think that's a perfect movie. It's on yeah. our list. Yeah, I would totally. It was absolutely exponential when it came out. Yeah, it really was. There's nothing I would change. It's in that seamless. Movie. You know, it has. It's like the Blues Brothers. It just, it just goes, man. I was working on, for for a website once where we were like doing this series where we would add ourselves into movies. You know, like yeah. like green screen style. And just like make cheap jokes, like we didn't like Titanic kind of stuff, and just yeah. kind of like pick the low hanging fruit of the scene, like you know, like the Titanic shot where like he's drawing, you know, all of a yeah, sudden like yeah. you cut to a, a, a thing of he's drawing like a stick figure, like kind of jokes like that. And we, we we were like, let's do Ghostbusters, and then we watched Ghostbusters. We got a bunch of beers, watched at, at the end of the Friday, we're watching it, and we, we just were like, why this movie? Like you can't add anything to no. it like it just felt yeah, weird because it was like it was like perfect the way it was it was a great movie yeah. ghostbusters follows our our four rules perfectly i think so really because does. ghostbusters does feel very contemporary it's also it's also one of those movies where the aid of cell phones doesn't change anything because for all intents and purposes there's nothing i think that cell phones would have added or changed in that movie what did they use it in the new one that came out uh, the new one was all over the place, and yeah, but in a in the worst way. So the one warranted scene in the new movie, the 2016 Ghostbusters movie, there's a scene where they go to an Ozzy Osbourne concert that is, uh, you know, except it, Ozzy wasn't on stage. It was like some no name headliner band, right? And everyone in the audience is so placid. Not a single fucking cell phone was out during a rock concert. Nobody was recording that shit. Are you fucking? I can't even go to. Like, I went to a Tenacious D thing. Like, half the fucking audience, everyone was recording that shit. Yeah. You, I turned around one time, and they were all with their cell phones up or with them in the, the last concert I went to. And I, Yeah. That's no way to watch a concert. Yeah, the new Ghostbusters 2016 movie, I mean, it had so many problems. But, um, the yeah, the original Ghostbusters, I wouldn't say anything. Now, Ron, there's a movie that both you and I like a lot that I thought you were going to pick. Uh, you know what? I didn't pick it because I thought you were going to pick it. Okay. And let me guess. Let's hear movie? It. Groundhog's Day. That's right. It, Groundhog it's Day. It's on our perfect list. I was yeah. going to pick it, it, but the only reason I did it because I was like, well, I know Maddox is going to pick Groundhog's Day, so yeah. I'm not going to pick Groundhog's Day. But that was like when we were going through the movies, I was like, okay, um, either Back to the Future because it's just, yeah. man, I saw it on the big screen. Really I was like, good. God damn, this is a good movie. Yeah. Or Groundhog's Day because, again, I don't know where it's coming, and if Groundhog's Day is on, I will always watch it. Yeah. I have the same feeling about The Fifth Element. Fifth, Although no, I, I don't think I will hardly I don't know. think Fifth Element is a perfect movie. Okay, but I do, but if the Fifth Element is on TBS, I'm watching the why, Fifth Element. Why do people like that movie at all? Are you fucking high? Why, why? Why do you not like the Fifth Element? It's goofy. It doesn't make sense. Everything's just kind of cobbled together. The the universe so it violates one of your main rules, Jay Todd, which is uh, a perfect movie exists I'm not in the world. It's a perfect movie. I'm saying it's okay. a hell of a lot of fun. And it wholly sustains that world. Yeah, it wholly sustains. It, it, like, Listen, I am confused in that movie. You can't eat fudge every meal. Of every day, but you can still enjoy fudge. I would. Ra- the fifth I would, element is a good old piece of fudge. It's a bu- it's a bunch of fudge, all right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would almost rather watch the Super Mario Brothers. Movie. Have I seen the? Fil- I'm, I'm not so sure. But the Lilu, you got Lilu, and uh, yeah. you know, like uh, um, it's Bruce uh, Campbell, Bruce uh, Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. It's yeah, Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis being it's Bruce Willis being uh. Bruce Willis. I mean, it is two hours of Bruce Willis. 
can I can I can I pitch you guys a movie that I'm gonna tell you my favorite Bill Murray movie Please. right now? And people like kind of cock their heads and look at me weird. This is my favorite Bill Murray movie. Meatballs. No, not Meatballs. Not Caddyshack. Uh The Man Who Knew Too Little. Oh, okay. I've seen I didn't funny. see that one. It is I it is Bill if like you like Bill Murray for being Bill Murray, yeah. it is two hours of Bill Murray just being peak Bill Murray. It's on Netflix right now. It's awesome. Bill I know Murray my, and I lost our luggage together going to Cannes. That's how I, I just want to hear oh, everything. That's cool. Yeah. And they just treated him like everybody else. They really did. Yeah. Oh, you lost your luggage. Line, yeah. yeah. And then the next day, he was the toast of the town, you know? Yeah. He was in that movie where. Uh, but that. Uh, Which movie was he there for? Uh, what was it? It's was, it was like 10 years ago. and uh, Lost in Translation? I think that's what he was there for at Cannes. But, you know, he yeah, lost yeah. his luggage and they didn't care who he was. You know, no. He'd just wait in line. And then the next day he was in the car waving and everything. It's pretty funny. I mean, he's making all these jokes and nobody got him. I, I really know. like the... <laughs> He's like looking for his luggage, you know. Yeah, of course. And, and, and I just was laughing. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I know who you are, Bill. You know? Did he turn to you and like winking? Hey, I got you, Jason. No, he was watching. <laughs> you know, those comedians are very sensitive to rooms, you know, no yeah, matter where they're at. Of course. And, uh, and he was playing the room and they were all French people and they didn't get any of his humor. You know? I always tell that to people where I'm always like, just read the room and they yeah. never know what I'm talking about. I'm like, just how are they read the room? Like, I industry, don't understand yeah. how people, some people act and they just can't read the room of like, well, like take the litmus test, like take the yeah. temperature. Like, like sometimes jokes don't go over well. Like, you know, you have that weird coworker who says stuff and you're like, dude, man, fucking cut it out. Like, I don't, I had, uh, I had yeah. read that the Marx brothers, you know, when they were doing their shows, people would start laughing on the set, which bust a sound take, you know? Yeah. But they never wanted to stop them because they had a pretty good idea what yeah. the joke was working, yeah. you know, because people couldn't stop laughing. It's always you know? a good sign. I've, you know, I've been on, on sets too, where, where the production crew can't yeah. contain themselves. I, I remember, yeah, doing a couple uh, bits on sets. And if, if you could get the camera guy to like take his head back and just like put his head down and away from himself to like hide his laughter. Like yeah. you, you're like you, you know you're, you're onto you're, you're onto something. It's it's such it's a, the it, most satisfying feeling in the world. Yes, absolutely. Because those guys are jaded as fuck. They've seen everything. They've yeah. seen everyone. They are. They don't They're give a really fuck. Jaded, yeah. man. Because you don't realize like how many people who work on sets work on just garbage. You yeah. know, and they're like they're just like. They're just getting paid their money to pay their rent. Yeah. And you you just like kind of, they nod at you at the crafty table. And that's like, that's it. That's pretty much. And I got to say on that note, um, I've been doing book signings for my book. And I was on that set quite a bit on Big Lebowski. And um, because we had a good time. It was a lot of fun. And I remember remember hanging out and watching them shoot takes, you know. And and I was kind of used to the way the brothers did it. But I remember how many lines that Jeff would kind of botch, you know, and um, he would just keep botching them and people would snicker, you know. And then the other day I was at a book signing and I, and I was they had that movie playing, you know, I was doing the signing of the books and I'm hearing him in, when he's in the car in the limousine, you know, and he's he's got all the all the stuff in there that he supposedly botched. I mean, I, I kept that stuff in there. You know, now I'm actually starting to watch the movie a little closer. The takes that he botched, they kept in there? Some of them are in there yeah. because they were funny. You know, because he goes into that dude mood and, yeah. and, and, and yeah. you know, they're, they're printing money, you know, basically because he's just going to town. And I was sitting there thinking... They left that stuff in there 20 years later. You know, it's yeah. like that old Gary Larson Farside cartoon where the Lone Ranger, he's in a nursing home and he looks up Kimo Sabi and it says, you know, asshole, dumbhead. And he's finally figuring that out. You know, <laughs> what the? That's <laughs> and, uh, but that's what I thought. 
I can't believe they left all that stuff in there, you know, because I remember the day they shot it. I thought, okay, it was funny, you know, yeah. and I'm, I'm sitting here trying to sign these books and I'm misspelling stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. They didn't do that, did they? I, I saw uh, Pulp Fiction again the other night and there was some scenes where you could very clearly tell that, uh, what's his name, uh, Travolta, what's his name, John? John Travolta. John, John Travolta, yeah. He was, there were lines where he very clearly botched them, but Tarantino intentionally kept those in, I think, because you can tell he stumbled over a word or something and he just picked up the sentence and he kept those in and it felt so much more organic because that's the way people talk. Yeah. I don't see, I'm tired of seeing movies where you have this perfectly scripted, perfectly constructed sentences at the dinner table during arguments. You don't hear those false starts. You don't hear stumbles and stutters. And I kind of miss that. On the other side of the fence, if you go see uh, Star is Born and the, the guy, the actor and that. Bradley Cooper? He's always got a mouth on his garbage. You can't even yeah. see his mouth. I, got here. I keep waiting for my mom to come out and just, you know, slap him and say, hey, yeah. I Look can't. I can't. I, you know, I've seen most of the best picture nominations this year, and A Star Is Born is one that I haven't seen. I, I'm in a lot I of trouble it for you, didn't dude? I? No, you didn't. You know, because I'm probably not going to see it. Because I have so much trouble. Anytime it's a story about a songwriter mm. who's trying, who just can't can't communicate their vision. It's like you just you're the definition of shit. I don't. Are you saying Lewin Davis about. is no good? That's what you're trying uh, yeah, to tell me. I mean, listen, I'll get on board for searching for Sugar Man. Otherwise, I'm out. Like it's just Sugar if you Man. can't sing your song. I songs, saw that doc. That was pretty good. But. I mean, yeah. I hey, you know, you know what? Another movie, perfect movie. I was almost gonna choose uh, King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. Oh, that's a great movie. because yeah. I saw that movie in the theater. And there was about 12 people in the theater. I was on a date. King of Comedy? King, 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 King of, of Kong. King of Kong, A Fistful oh, okay. of Quarters, about Steve Wiebe trying to break the Donkey Kong world record against uh, Billy Mitchell. And I saw that in a theater. And something happened in that theater where I have never felt so closer to a bunch of strangers in my life. And as like we were in a giant theater, there was like maybe nine to 12 of us. As we walked out, we were all high-fiving each other. Yeah. In Los Angeles, like yeah. which can be a jaded Very place jaded. to see a movie. Yeah. And I've never felt closer to a group of people I've never seen again. Uh-huh. Never made any friends from it. But in that theater, in that moment, we were just all together, like rooting for this guy. Yeah. And it was like any movie that can do that is like to me like it's it's definitely one of my top five movies. Well, that's uh what's his name? The uh, the old uh, critic uh, um uh, Siskel and Ebert. Siskel and yeah, Ebert's Ebert's test of a of, of a good movie is: Do you care about the characters? And in that documentary, you care so much about Steve Wiebe, and they made Billy Mitchell out to be the biggest villain. Which in real life, since that movie has come out, has turned into the biggest villain because it turns out he was cheating. You know what? Um, I dressed up as Billy Mitchell for Halloween, and still greatest Halloween costume I've ever done. Did anyone pick up your costume? You know, not many people did, but the people who did lost their goddamn sure. mind. Did you point to the tie and be like, "Here's a hint"? <laughs> yeah, I actually had a bottle of his hot sauce that oh. I bought in the Miami or in the Orlando airport. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, Hitchcock said a picture is only as good as its villain. Yeah, well, he's a, he's a rule, he's a which are Nazis or gravity? Nazis or gravity is in well, my school. One, he he yeah, must yeah. be gravity because I don't know. <laughs> 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 I didn't hear any of Nobody his... fell off a stool or anything. They didn't they weren't afflict, afflicted by gravity falling off. And... No, no, no. That's almost that, most no. of the time that's what happens is they fall off of something and hurt themselves. Well, guys, that's a that's the debate this week. Vote on madcastmedia.com. A lot of movies to vote on. Yeah, a lot of movies. We got double movies. Yeah. I'm choosing one. So you movie. guys have movies Pick. for people to vote on? Yes. So they'll the audience will be voting and since there's three of us and we've 
thrown out multiple movies. We'll pick one of the other movies that we threw out there. But uh, Jay Todd, what your movie pick is either Get Out or Duel. Which one were you going to go with? Uh, I'll go with you know since you pointed out my discrepancy in Get Out, you know you are correct because that could date it. And I am standing out on a limb on this, and George isn't here, so I'm going back to Duel. Are you sure? Because more people have seen Get Out. So our audience is. Well, I yeah, think they should I get out there and see get duel, out slash man. duel. Give them both. Get out slash duel. Yeah. Okay, we'll give them both. That's the first time. And I, like I said, you know, George and my friend George, who usually does the shows with me, he's not here to agree with me on Get Out. He could disagree, but I got to tell you, in many years, I have not seen a contemporary movie shine like that movie. Shine. Well, listen, if yeah. Jtar gets two movies, I want to do The Great Escape <laughs> slash An Affair to Re- Affair to Remember. Affair to remember, okay. Yeah. And is that a, fair to remember? Is that a comedy or is that a horror movie? I mean, it's kind of, it's like life. It's everything. Okay. I think I'm going to go with The Thing. And against The Thing, I either want to do King of Kong or uh, Groundhog Day. Which of those two? Uh, Man, Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Day. Yeah, Groundhog Day is, is just, absolute, right. There's nothing like it yeah, anywhere. It's, it's never great, been it's done, you know? All right. Well, those are the options, guys. Madcastmedia.com. And don't forget, leave your haiku because you will win a fucking book. Yes, right. We're not fucking around. All the original storyboards from the movie. Yeah. Big Lebowski. Kicking the shit in the high gear. The Big Lebowski. Amazing stuff. All right. But uh, moving on, we should get to a Babcock tip. Ron, what do you got for us this week? Guys, the tip, super simple. Um, It is going to maybe add about maybe 10 seconds worth of work to your life every day. But Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to cost maybe a dollar a one-time fee of a dollar, but it is going to improve your taste. It is going to... uh, My taste in what? Women? uh, Food. Okay. Your taste of food. Uh, It's going to make you feel uh, fresher, and it's going to make your breath uh, smell better, and it'll actually uh, keep you um, healthier. Huh. This is a tall order, buddy, for a dollar and 10 seconds a day? You got to get yourself a tongue scraper. Oh... Okay. <laughs> okay. No. Are you? I I honestly was like, oh, man, Maddox is going to be so on board with it. I'll tell you why. No, I'll tell you okay, why. Okay, go ahead. First of all, I got a tongue scraper. The first time you use a tongue scraper on your tongue, it is the most disgusting thing you will ever do. The amount of bacteria and phlegm that you, uh, the white crap that you scrape off your tongue, it's like... It's like chipping stucco off a wall. Ugh. But all that does is it takes all that bacteria out of your mouth, and the a toothbrush doesn't put do it. you up to this tip? Oh, a, a big big tongue scraper. I'm, <laughs> I'm funded by them. We had a big tongue scraper sponsor. No, it takes all the bacteria out of your mouth. It will improve your taste buds for real. And it, But the best thing is um, if you got bad breath problems and you're always like eating gum and, and you're self-conscious about your bad breath, do you use a tongue scraper. That takes all the bacteria out of your mouth. That's going to make your breath smell nicer. Okay, Ron. The only reason I buzzed it is... Not because I disagree, because it's useful, but I already use my toothbrush for that. Your toothbrush does not have the same effectiveness as a tongue scraper. I have I, a tongue it, scraper. It and does I don't... not do the. Is same that the stainless the... steel thing? I like to use the copper one, uh, J. Todd. But um, you know, you can use you can use whatever. They have like plastic ones. They have plastic like the, ones, but I like I'm the with, copper one. I'm with Maddox here. I brush my teeth every day and scrape my tongue when I. Yeah, do you that. know what? Yeah. You know what makes Do your. Not. You know what your makes your breath smells like smell like a, a, a donkey's asshole is the fuck people who don't floss when you get like shit stuck between your teeth. Listen, man. I mean, I'm gonna get to that next week. We're gonna do a couple okay. oral health tips. All right. You but know what, like, then, Ron? 
I'm gonna get this fucking tongue scraper because because here's the thing: I shit on Ron's tips a lot, and then I immediately go and try them. You <laughs> you recant yourself when you come back the next week and say Ron was right yeah. and I wasn't. And... Yeah, the whole club soda and bitters thing. That was... he's, he's on my dick all the time about. It. He's he's like yeah. texting me. He's like, dude, the club soda and bitters thing is on point. That is by far like my favorite drink now. I order it all the time. What I is order it? it on dates? It's you get club soda and bitters at a bar. Yeah, it's the best. It's a great way to just cut I your drink in in half. You know, and make it's like fun water. Yeah, I'm telling you, a tongue. Yeah, scraper. And there's no alcohol. No, I mean, yeah, there's like trace amounts, but it's like, yeah, nothing is going to get you drunk or anything. I'll you, a tongue scraper, dude, just when you take it through your tongue, it is so satisfyingly disgusting. I've done it before and I know what you're talking about, but then I noticed after, so I look at, here's here's how I look at my tongue. I look at it before and after the scraping. So I, I look at it after I do it with a toothbrush and it looks much cleaner than before I used it without. And so the tongue scraper thing, I feel like, is an extra step. And I and an extra you, device. If you use a toothbrush and then use a tongue scraper, and if you don't get a bunch of phlegm off your tongue, like th- there's your answer. You mean back to back? Like yeah, use use a brush first. I think I've done it before. Then th- use the tongue scraper. You know what? I'm gonna do that. All right. And I'm gonna if if my tongue is noticeably noticeably cleaner, I'm gonna have it. You know, I'm gonna test. We gotta have a test. We gotta have a magic sure. ass listener step up a make a make out test. <laughs> <laughs> anyone, anyone, you know what? This is part of the contest. So you win a book and you get to, you you have to make out. <laughs> yeah. That's if you lose. Yeah. You know what, Ron? I don't like that at all. All right. Good tip, Ron. Okay. So we'll see. I, I want the listeners to weigh in on this because we're I'm getting a lot you, of it. I started using one because I'll be honest. I used to have like, like I thought I used, I'd be, used to be really self-conscious if I had bad breath. Started using the tongue scraper. Don't got bad breath anymore. And your girlfriend has noticed an improvement? She loves it. Yeah. Huh. No complaints. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask her next time we hang out. Does don't, she get, don't, don't prep her. <laughs> just before th- things happen, does she say, "Did you use her tongue scraper?" <laughs> <laughs> she make yeah. Actually, I, I she actually will not like. I'll be in. We have a small bathroom. We have a small place, and so a lot of times well, we're getting of ready to see her scrape her tongue. You need a small place. Yeah, man. And that's I, really cool. I, <laughs> I scrape my tongue, and she and she cannot see me do it. She's like, "I can't watch you do that. I can't watch you do that." She has to leave the room because it's so gross. Yeah, but that's the thing is like you're getting that off your tongue. So she kisses you, and sometimes she's like. Oh, baby, you scrape your tongue. Scrape your tongue like just for you, babe. Yeah. Does, does oh. he have like schmegma tips and stuff oh, like that? Yeah. And, uh, uh, I'm sure it's coming. Okay. I mean, all right. we'll all work right. on it. Yeah. All right. Good tip, Ron. I'm curious to see. I, I shit on these a lot, but you know I'm going to try it. Um, <laughs> we'll have the results. And, and then I'm going to get that text on Wednesday. That's like, hey, man, the tongue scraper is pretty cool. Yeah, my tongue is... The best it's ever been. Um, all right, guys. Uh, we'll be hearing some voicemails, too, about that, I'm sure, because we got some coming up. But first, we should have a recap of last week's debate. Jay Todd, last week we debated, do good intentions justify bad outcomes? What do you think? Do good intentions justify bad ag- outcomes, right? Yeah. Well, good intentions, man, they're, they're just like uh, the road to hell. You know, it's paved with good intentions. That's what people say. And, you know, it, some people actually think that they have good intentions. It's already done. They don't have to do anything because they fulfilled, you know, some sort of mental engagement that oh, they thought about it. That's you know? a great argument. We didn't have that last week. That's uh, interesting. Well, they do because then, then they feel okay about it because they were aware of it. So, therefore, they must no. have done something. That's you know? the problem with, I think, raising awareness that I brought. I wrote a whole chapter about this in my book, which one of the callers called in. is like, uh, Maddox, uh, how come you mention your book so much? Uh. I'm like, I don't fucking mention my books hardly ever. And every now and then it comes up organically. Sorry, I wrote a, I'm a fucking New York Times bestselling author that, that, that wrote there's a that, chapter. There's that organic. There's that. That's how it comes up organically. You mention it. 
<laughs> you know what, though? I did write a chapter about that, Jay Todd, and it's like, I did point out that raising awareness makes people feel like they've done something, even mm-hmm. though they haven't. And that's a and that's just the tip of the iceberg, because, yeah. you know, uh, you don't do anything. Uh, action diminishes no. fear, man. You just no. got to start doing something. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, we asked it. We asked it, We put the uh, the question to the audience. It said, do good intentions justify bad outcomes? And with 82% of the vote, no. That's it. That's it. Eighty-two percent, just overwhelmingly no. I agree because it's just it's false. I just thought it'd be a little bit closer. That's all. No, I I, I get it. I get Whatever. it. Whatever. Shitty. Uh, we that's got a good argument, else. though. I I think that's a really good argument because this town, this very town we sit in, is just chock full of good intentions. You know, and yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, that's I'm telling you, man. It's the road paved to hell. Well, speaking of good intentions, that's. What fuels Ron's Babcock tips? But we had a caller call in and uh, lay it on me. Talk about well, you know, this is what this caller's for you, Ron. Here it is. Hey, this message is actually for Ron. <laughs> I'm a university student, and I found every single book that I needed for a class in the library. So I took your advice, went to the library, and got all of the books. And a day later, I got an email saying that I needed to bring them all back. So I went and asked them what the fuck I needed to give the books back for because I've only had them for a day. And they said, oh, somebody else wanted it and put a request in and I have to give it back because for some reason, because I already have it, isn't a good enough excuse that I can keep it. So fuck the library. Now I have to go and buy all the books anyway. So, yeah. Maddox, keep doing the great work. Rob. You know what that reminds me of? It's when you're standing in line and you're standing in line, you finally get up there and the phone rings, the guy takes the phone. And yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, she, Dude, she I, got all those books and now she has to bring them. That is such, I, I agree with the calling, that is such bullshit. Yeah. That is such bullshit. You didn't mention, Ron, you, re- Rob, you meant you. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> People don't know Ron's name on this fuck. They call him Rod. They call him, what was the other one? It's R-O-N, last name Babcock. That's why people say Rob, because my last name starts with a B. Oh, that's right. I've been getting Rob my whole fucking life. Well, yeah, you know, it's like TJ, you know, I get that a lot instead of JT, you know. Yeah, Yeah, they just switch it up. God, I'm so sorry that that happened, but, you know, please, just, I, I... don't let this, don't turn this on libraries, man. Do it. No. Go out and buy the books. Buy every copy of your book that you need because that's the way that you get more books. How about this? How about everybody goes out and buys Maddox's book? Yeah. And then once you do that. I am here to shamelessly plug Maddox's how about, books and, and, because uh, he came over to Hail Caesar and brought all his books. I thought, wow, this is really cool. Well, hey, listen, how about everybody buys Maddox's book? Everybody buys JT's book. And then once you do that, you've satisfied your book buying. And then you just go to the library, get every other book for free. Okay, Ron. God damn it. Rob, we I don't know about these these tips. I got another voicemail though. Um so last week we <laughs> and by the way, um you know, thank you caller. Uh thank you for going out and buying I'm milk. sorry that that happened to you. That fucking sucks. Yeah, you didn't mention that that might be I didn't be, know that that was a thing. Well, it's a thing and that's what happens when you go to libraries. I really don't think that happens with all libraries. You get fucked. I think that's a college library Pornhub? thing. <laughs> you know, go to another library. There's this. Uh, there's a bunch of. Uh, uh, you know the 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 guest with that we had on the show a long time ago, uh, Ella Darling. She's an adult performer. Mm-hmm. She's an actual real life librarian, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, oh, which I... is crazy. That's come around. It's almost like you might the the next best profession to be if you're going to do porn is to be a nurse. Uh, but anyway, we got another voicemail. Or so somebody last... who orders pizzas for a living. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> 
<laughs> so literally everyone. Um, we debated last week about the Hollywood sign and whether or not it should be lit up. And I was I was angry because they weren't lighting the sign up at night, and that and because of a few residents. Well, anyway, we got a caller calling in about this. this guy's really fired up. Listen to this. Maddox, I got to talk to you about your view on the Hollywood sign for two reasons. Number one, the kind of light it would take to light up the Hollywood sign is not like having a shitty little lamp. It would be bright like fucking daylight. So I can tell you living in Alaska, it gets daylight bright all summer long, and shutting your blinds doesn't do shit. Blackout curtains don't do shit around here. I have to tape black garbage bags over my fucking window just to get it to be dark so I can sleep at night. So I can understand why they would say, you know what, don't put up a giant goddamn spotlight outside of my house so some asshole can see an ugly sign. And second of all, I lived in Hollywood directly behind the Chinese theater back from 2006 to 2008, and I can personally tell you, lighting up the sign wouldn't bring in any more tourists because Hollywood is not hurting for tourists. <laughs> There's constantly just crowds of people all over the fucking place getting their picture taken with a douchebag dressed up in a shitty Spider-Man costume and looking at Lindsay Lohan's star on the Walk of Fame and doing all sorts of dumbass, boring bullshit. So really, you think lighting up the sign at nighttime will attract more people? Yes. It's one of the biggest tourist destinations in the fucking world, not to mention in Los Angeles. So really, b bad points on both ends for that one. Fuck a Nazi. Yeah, fuck a Nazi to you too, but wrong. 100%. First of all, the Hollywood strip basically dies around 10, 10.30 at night, 11 o'clock at night. Everyone goes home or goes to bars. It's It becomes, basically, it's Mad Max. Uh, the, the Hollywood strip, they, they're starting to shut it down because there's so much chaos that happens. I, ha I have this app that shows you all the crimes that are happening in an area, and I was up there the other day, and there was like six alerts. One was like a fist fight. One guy brandishing a broken bottle. Another guy taking a shit on cars. It's it's chaos over there. If you had more tourism late at night, if people had some shit to do, like oh I don't know, look at the fucking Hollywood sign. And by the way, have I you ever? Think people are gonna come out. I think it's just kind of like the icing on the cake, you know? Yeah, but you know what the thing that you buy in the in Paris is uh, the, pictures of the Eiffel Tower, and there's two types: daytime and nighttime. Well, what in in Hollywood you only got one type of photo you can buy, and that's a daytime photo of Hollywood. Boring. Yeah, but most of the neighbors up there don't want anybody coming up there and bugging them to watch this. Yeah, song. but this guy lived right behind a fucking tourist location. He's bitching about tourists. You know what? Well, he lives in Alaska. It. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> went from Alaska to like the biggest tourist destination yeah. on the West Coast. <laughs> chase the moose, buddy. You know, there's nothing else to do. And also, there. like, I, I don't buy his argument about like I get that Alaska has like pure daylight and you can't block it out. But the lights that would light up a Hollywood sign, that's pretty location specific. Yeah. You know, they, they like, you know, like, that, like that all the time. Those, it wouldn't be a problem. And those lights are going straight up. So it's not all encompassing daylight. You yeah. know, it's not like those lights would affect a very few number of households around the sign where the daylight in Alaska obviously affects everybody. So right. it's like, but like, so you're, that's kind of a, 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 a you know, uh, it's not the argument doesn't really translate. For and, me. and also, I think you're highly overestimating the amount of light needed to light that yeah, fucking sign. They because, do it every day. Yeah, I see. You know? I see someone's like fucking living room lamp in a in the hills of Hollywood yeah. from like miles away. I'm sure that the lamp it, the, the lamp they're using 
could be just as good on the Hollywood sign. Like, I, and on that note, one of my bigger complaints about Hollywood and signage is when I grew up watching 20th Century Fox movies. Dun, 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 it has all the lights and everything, right, right. and it's this big, you know, concrete monolith. You know, yeah. super. I for when I first got out here, I went over and looked at it. It's a cardboard sign. That's all it is. Just a big dumb sign. It's the the not, actual Hollywood sign. No, the 20th Century Fox, oh, oh, you know, in yeah, the front yeah. of their gates. I thought they were going to have this big concrete monolith with all the lights flashing around. Think of what that would do, even though Fox is, you know, doesn't make a lot of good movies nowadays. But uh, yeah, you think they do, would, like, you know, it would draw that. people. You know, you know what, Jay Todd? Counterpoint. What a better analogy for Hollywood than that <laughs> 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 he's showing you show up, it's all fake as shit. It's just cardboard. Yeah, the best analogy like sideshow. Wait a yeah. minute. The best is- analogy for Hollywood is actually coming to Hollywood. Yeah. And you get here and you're like, oh man, oh. this is not that nice. Well, I guess I'll have well, a slice of New York and, pizza. And what's <laughs> people on the tour buses, they look really bored. And what's sad is it's so much better than it used to be. Yeah, really. It's gotten so much cleaner and so much nicer. Yeah. And it's still not that nice. No. Well, we got another uh, voicemail about it. Listen to this. Man, fuck the Hollywood sign. This is the <laughs> dumbest fucking example I've ever heard. Fucking tear it down. It's tacky. It looks stupid. While we're on the subject, so is Mount Rushmore. I just wanted to shoehorn my opinion about Mount Rushmore in there. Fuck Mount Rushmore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why you shit at Mount Rushmore? really like a way to get a dig in on Mount Rushmore. Everyone likes Mount Rushmore. What's you know what? I haven't been to Mount Rushmore, but I, I had some friend who actually who went there and took some photos, and it is like way smaller really yeah it's crazy yeah because they always take it from like you know with these like huge telephoto lenses go google image mount rushmore like and you'll see families taking you it's tiny man it's so tiny that's not impressive yeah it's really like when you get there it is a huge letdown yeah well that's disappointing um but speaking of tourist locations here's another one uh we had a uh a caller go to ferguson you remember ferguson not too long ago. That's yeah. where the Michael Brown thing happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Of yeah, well, this is their new tourism billboard. Listen to this. Hey, Lord Maddox, it's me. So I was driving home, and I saw a giant billboard for Ferguson, Missouri. And then it's like, Ferguson, not what you expect. And I'm like, uh, I feel like even saying that has a negative connotation. <laughs> Ferguson, not what you would expect. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wish I could have taken a picture. Uh, fuck whales. Yeah, fuck well, see you too. I mean, if you really think about it, if you have a good impression of Ferguson before you go and you say, not what you expect, you're like, is it not good? But it's not because of that. It's because everyone expects it to be bad. So yeah. they're saying, it's not what you expect. Come. <laughs> yeah, my friends have a uh, a tagline for Cleveland that they wanted to use. Okay, Cleveland, it's not that bad. Yeah. And then they actually pitched that to the local tours. They had a friend who was on the it's local tours board official and they, they were not into it. But I was like, that's probably the best version of describing Cleveland. Every time I've gone to Cleveland, I've had a great time. That's funny because it's a self-deprecating way to get people to check it out. It really isn't that bad. Uh, we got another voicemail. I don't play a lot of these uh, very often, but I got one from a guy who sounds like he genuinely appreciates the show. Listen to this. Hey, Maddox. Um, I was calling you to uh, let you know that I really... Love the show, and uh, love everything you're doing. Not uh, not having an easy time with what's going on with me personally, but uh, but I listen to the show, and and it helps. And that's kind of all I wanted to say. Uh, fuck Nazis. That's how we end this, right? But, <laughs> <laughs> all right, hanging up. 
<laughs> all right, man. You know, I really I get those uh, messages and voicemails all the time. It means a lot. I'm really glad that uh, you guys get so much out of the show and you really appreciate. It. I get voicemails and, and messages all the time from people who are in dark places. They say the show gives them some some humor, something to look forward to. And uh, if we can help in any way, um, you know, it's the greatest praise. It's the greatest honor I think we can. Yeah, make. and um, we, like, um, I don't know how many people would know this, but uh, there's a comedian here today in Los Angeles named Brody Stevens who actually committed uh, suicide. And it w- it really was a gut punch to, to me and to, like, a lot of people because he's just um, he's just a kind Great guy. dude and yeah. really funny. And, really uh, funny. You know, to anybody who's in a dark place, remember, like, you know, you're not a burden. You're not annoying. You're not, the world wouldn't be better without you. And if you have trouble believing that yourself, you know, reach out for help. Uh, don't, don't go down that dark path because there are people who would miss you. And, uh, I think it's important. A lot of people, I think you have to remind them of that. And unfortunately for Brody, um, you know, I don't know. I I don't know why. Um, it's really sad. It's uh, yeah. It's easy to to lose perspective sometimes when you're alone, uh, when you feel like life isn't going the way you, that you plan. Life isn't going the way that you wanted. Hey, I gotta tell you, man. Um, the shit affects all of us, and you would be surprised. Some of the people. I mean, look at uh, Anthony Bourdain. You know, had the the life and career that people like his day to day work was what people work all year long to to vacation to do which which is what he does every day for a living he was well admired rich successful popular everyone liked him and still it affected him like this is something you're not alone in this shit um keep fighting the good fight we're there for you reach out to somebody and if that if it doesn't work keep reaching out keep fighting keep struggling because after the storm always comes the bloom uh, and it, and there there will be an after the storm. So hang in there, guys. And I, I'm really, really glad to hear those voicemails. Keep it up. Uh, you know, you don't have to fight this stuff alone. But anyway, we got another voicemail about the Super Toy, Super Bowl halftime show. Um, another really important voicemail. But listen, because we debated whether or not the performers got paid. Well, we got some insight on oh, that. Oh, oh, good, good. Yeah. Hey, so interesting tidbit. Uh, I was I was listening to the latest episode where you guys were kind of debating uh, whether good intentions justify bad outcomes. And anyway, at the end of the during the news headlines, you said something about the Super Bowl. Um, and Ron was like, "Hey, I think I've heard that uh, that these entertainers have to pay to be the, the halftime show performers." And so a, a customer of mine used to be uh, a very high up executive for a large sports network, and he can, he has verified that the entertainers that want to be in the Super Bowl halftime have to pay. But this year in Atlanta, they actually uh, didn't have to pay at all because they, the NFL was having such trouble finding people to do the halftime show and that's why we ended up with the performers that we did who haven't been relevant in 20 years uh-huh. so yeah anyway just thought i'd uh call in and weigh in on that uh so, fucking nazi oh wow so so all i got from that caller was basically ron was right yeah well here's another caller ron hey Maddox, this is just a little clarification regarding the super bowl halftime show the artist doesn't have to pay to be on there whoever sponsors the halftime show has to pay for them to appear and uh, Maroon 5 actually declined their fee and donated it to some charity this year. 
Anyway, fuck a whale Nazi. Yeah. Well, what? So now, now we have no clarification. Well, yeah, now we have no. no, no, no. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what's. I, I would know say it's a wash, and when it's a wash, it goes towards me. Um, there's, there's another voice. There's a. Uh, we got we got a couple of quick ones too. Um, this one talked about my. Uh, you know, I went to Pound Town last week. Hey, this is Steven in Seattle. So Maddox was talking about going on a date and maybe going to Pound Town, and then it turned out that it was just his bro and they went out for burgers does that mean you went to quarter pound town <laughs> <laughs> correct and one last one we get corrections all the time if we misspeak and pronounce something i don't even remember what this is about because there's no context for this they always do, they call in and they don't give us any fucking context but they're correcting us correcting the shit out of some minor thing i misspoke listen to this it's pronounced dar not star Star, no idea. Fuck pit. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck are you talking about? What, what do I say? Star Fox? Yeah, or it's Star like Fox? one of those people when they're tweeting, they're like watching The Bachelor and they just tweet, no way. Yeah. And you're like, I, I'm not watching it. What well, I w- the the society version of that that drives me nuts is especially like if I'm on a date or something. So anyway, Steve and I'm like, who the fuck is Steve? Were you gonna? Were you ever gonna give me any context for this guy? Why are you talking about this guy? You haven't introduced him. Who's Steve to you? Is he your brother? Is he your uncle? Is he your doctor? Because there's there's a lot of context that's missing. There's you a guys, lot of Steves. There's a lot of Steves. Who the fuck is Derek? Why are you just mm, dropping names? It's worse than somebody who's a name dropper. At least a name dropper, like you get that they're trying to. Well, they're dropping the first and the last name. What the the name, name dropper? dropper yeah. Yes. But at least that, you know that they're just doing it to seem more popular and to social proof themselves. But a name dropper who drops the name of just their friends without context is inconsiderate and not human. Something about them is a little less human. They're not part of society. Wow. Yeah. I Civilization. Mean, yeah. Falling apart. That's that's uh, People say civ- uh, world peace are like the level, level head that you have on your shoulders. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I want to be social proof. That yeah. sounds pretty cool. Well, you got to do his name drop. Anyway, guys, we should get some quick news headlines. I got a couple uh, quick ones here. At this fast food drive-thru, the person taking your order might not be a person at all. Hmm? Yeah, oh, is it one is... of those shapeshifters from the thing? The thing? I wish. Man, I would fucking order the shit out of some food from a shapeshifter. Uh, this says, though the drive-thru gantlet has broken. Gantlet? I think they meant to say gauntlet. Gauntlet? Yeah. yeah. It's, no, it's totally typo. not gantlet. Yeah, the sfgate.com, guys. Get your shit together. The gantlet has broken many a fast food worker. The newest employee at Good Times Burgers and Frozen Custard in Denver will not be feeling the heat anytime soon. That's because she's an artificially intelligent voice assistant. Emotion-free. Use the word she. Yeah, that's what it said here. Yeah. It's SFK. It should be too. it. Yeah. Emotion-free and immune to stress. Yeah, you know, in this world of, like, pronouns, everyone gives a shit about pronouns. Why, in the one instance where you're literally talking about artificial intelligence, do you choose to gender it? Yeah. I, I get that it might be a female well, voice. Well, they might have gendered it because, yeah, yeah, exactly. They gave it. Voice. Says it's emotion-free and immune to stress. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I want my fast food worker to be stressed if I'm in a hurry. I want them to be stressed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah, that you want to have that, them have some skin in the game. Yes, have some skin in the game. It says with the ability to operate a drive-through window without fatigue, bathroom breaks, or compensation. Wow! Congratulations, guys. You made the perfect fucking employee. No bathroom break. Wow! Great. Good job, managers. Yeah. How about when you want anything that's not specifically on the menu? Hey, yeah. can I get an extra napkin? Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Hey, how's your day going? Yeah, a little small chit-chat. little small chit-chat. Sometimes the drive-thru person is the only person I talk to. You know what? I want a little interaction. Here we go again. I wrote about this in my fucking book. I t- oh! 
Oh, did you write a book? <laughs> Which one? Fuck whales. I oh, wrote okay. about objectification. You gave me, they, he gave me that book. Yeah. I gave Jay Todd a book, a copy of Fuck Whales. I wrote about objectification and specifically sexual objectification. And I said that we objectify people all the time. And this is an example. This fast food worker, we literally. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we have literally turned this fast food worker into an object. So you are objectifying human because I said the one thing that kind of separates us from objectifying humans and treating them like machines is that small little chit chat we have at the beginning of them. Now they've taken that away. So you're literally objectifying a fast food worker. You don't even have to talk to them. You just. Yeah, but the value is always in the objective, not the quality thereof. Well, what do you mean by that? It means that you're, you're. You know, if you lose sight of your objective, then it's all going to be like pretentious, superficial shallowness. You know, if you don't, if you lose track of your objective. But my argument is that objectification is not bad. The only reason people say sexual objectification is bad is because they think sex is bad. Well, that's their problem, man. We're not concerned about that. (laughs) I agree. The AI assistant has endured months of testing. But officially began handling the restaurant's breakfast orders last week. At the fledgling assistant, excuse me, if the fledgling assistant runs into any technical issues, the transaction is handed off to a human employee inside the restaurant. So, there so, you. so like, yeah, I mean, but I mean, that's that that makes sense. I mean, you're gonna run with robots, and it's going to learn, and it's going to get better, and it's going to be a thing in the next like five to fifteen years. Is you're gonna see a large part of the workforce being replaced by robots. I called Spectrum for some customer service, and it still does that condescending fucking thing where. After you give it some information, it's like, um, um, what's your phone number? What's your account number? You give it to him, and then it, it plays a little noise like, it's like, I'm not an idiot. I, which I, you know what I don't like about that? It's like, are you are you trying to be cool, like, friend? Like, hey, what's going on? Uh, what's your name? And then, I'm like, which one is it? Is it a person or a robot? Because yeah. you keep going back and forth. Yeah. You're like, you got to give me, like, go down a path. Uh-huh. Because you can't have both. Yeah. Can you just give me all bleeps and bloops? Yeah. I would prefer a phone call like that. Or it's just like, give me your name. your name, please. (laughs) 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 At least then it's fun. It's it's campy. Yeah. But now you, yeah, I agree, Ron. Now it's like, huh? I'm having trouble finding that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I can hear the machine crunching. It's like a weird like. (laughs) It's so fast. It's like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it, it, but yeah, but not fast enough for me to be impressed. I would like, love, my home computer is faster than that. I would love to interview the sound designer who had to build that. Because you know that went through, like, the, the, a lot of work goes into that, like, the sound. The things I can't figure about television and movies where their computers always make noise. Yeah. You know, ours don't make any noise, but always on, I mean, watching the Max Travelers, noise. you know. Got this old-ass PC. Does it make noise? Yeah, it runs like a diesel engine. Uh, yeah, it makes it's like the semi truck in that old movie I love, Over the Top. Yeah, it's um. There, there's actually an episode of Radio Lab where they interview uh, one of the sound designers who creates all the sounds that you use on your touch devices, like cell phones and stuff. And there's a surprising amount of research that goes into yeah. finding just the right sound. Well, also, the sound designers who do, uh, score all the nature documentaries, because like like you know you you we have all this sound. A fish underwater that's all our interpretation of what we think that sounds like oh, or like true. you know if you're shooting a, a like a lion you know 300 yards away they didn't go over there and place a microphone there they're adding all those sounds in so now we think that elephants have a little douche douche when they walk when in reality elephants yeah. make virtually no noise when they walk because their surface area is so big that the sound is dissipated and their feet are cushioned but we yeah we think that it makes a noise but in reality yeah they don't make shit that's why after 9-11 like all the uh conspiracy dipshits were like um around the pentagon they're like uh, uh yeah it sounded like a missile like what the how do you fucking know you're an expert 
You now now you're an expert in the sonic signature of a missile. You can tell the difference between a missile and a Boeing Pratt whatever engine that they have on a fucking jetliner. You know that difference based on what GI Joe dipshit. <laughs> anyway, this article goes on. It says the AI never gets offended and it will just keep taking uh, talking to you in a very calm and friendly voice. You know what? Fuck you. If I'm if I'm pissed off and, and they're oh, talking and to me calm, the, the worst thing you can do. <laughs> yeah. It's talk to me in a calm voice. It's not register how I'm feeling. When I call Expedia and they do the voice activated thing and it doesn't give me the touch tone options, my every answer is fuck you, fuck you, fuck you until I get an operator. I hate talking. I I hate I will not talk to a machine. I don't Well, I, they're never in this country either when you talk to them. I always ask them, "Where are you at?" Yeah. <laughs> and they'll say, you know, Guatemala. India, or, yeah. Yeah. Almost every time. We got uh, one last story here. It says, zombie rat cyborgs controlled by the human mind in Frankenstein tests are steered through a maze in a bizarre experiment. Jesus. Yeah, this is from thesun.co.uk. It says, scientists have created mind-controlled rats that can be directed through a maze by the power of human thought. Researchers implanted microelectrodes to the rat's brain and connected it to the brain of a human volunteer who was hooked up to a computer. Unbelievably, when the human manipulator thought about moving their left arm, the rat turned left. The same with the right arm. Blinking signals sent, excuse me, blinking sent signals to the rat to move forward, and after a continuous research with six cyborg rats, the scientists were able to direct the rodents through incredibly complex mazes. Now, I was shocked that kits like this exist right now on Amazon that you can buy to experiment with cockroaches, and it is every bit as gruesome as you can imagine because you have to do surgery on a cockroach and they show examples they show you that you know it comes with like tutorials and stuff but i looked at the tutorials and there's no way to remove this implant from a cockroach once you put it on the cockroach you can can kind of control this thing with an app on your phone and control the cockroach make it go forward left right yeah, it's crazy. Jesus. Look on Amazon. Hey, what do you look? What do you? Where do you look? What do you look like? Cockroach control device. I don't yeah. even know what I was searching for, but I came across this thing, and I went down the rabbit hole of like cockroach, and they all have like really low reviews because like animal rights activists have bombarded it with negative reviews, and I'm not even sure where I stand on this thing because it is gruesome. This this uh, the instructions like you gotta get a scalpel and like cut the cockroach's head open and like some weird shit put like t- uh, kind of ele- like tape it to its electrodes and some weird shit like that. But yeah, you can control animals now with electrodes. Well, you implanted. can control cockroaches, cockroaches and yeah. rats and rats. What do you think of this? How useful? Is I don't it? know, man. I didn't even know this stuff was real. Yeah. It's good for a prank, I guess. Like, I, yeah. Who would you prank the rat family or your family? I think the rat family. What? Just make the rat just walk into the the den, and the kids are like, "Oh, Papa's home!" And the rat's just like staring at them, like in Get Out, like Get Out. <laughs> and you just make the rat like walk into the. Nest. I would like probably try and like I would be one of those like guy, those weird film guys who tries to recreate uh, Ratatouille shot for shot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have like I have like the rat in my on my head underneath a hat. And I'd be like, oh, I'm thinking like, hey, I gotta move your left arm and yeah, and chop, yeah. Except the rat's like crying in every scene. Because it's it is creepy. Minutes. It's not you know creepy, what it, you right? know what's creepy is not so much what it is now, but what what it's going to be. Because you know we're going to learn more. It's going yeah. to become more efficient. It's going to become more powerful. And then you're like, this. I don't know, man. It's just it's kind of a sign of things to come. You know what they're going to fucking do with this shit? I guarantee they're already doing this. They're probably doing this shit with dolphins and whales and fish to send in to spy on enemy submarines and things like that because animals are the thing that get through their their fences their radars man you're right 
Yeah. Dude, I, I think that you can see that. If they could figure this out on Dolphins. Dolphins are super smart. They could like hook in. Day of the Dolphin. Day of the Dolphin, you know. George C. Scott. Never doing that, you know. What, what What's that? The movie The Day of the Dolphin. Uh-huh. They send the Dolphins in there to do all the military. Oh, did they? Yeah. Well, and then there's Flipper. Um, He's faster than lightning. What is it? Flipper? Flipper? Faster than lightning? He's really not faster so. than lightning. No one, no one can see he's smarter than me or something like that. Yeah, that is song. he's faster than light. He's really not faster than lightning. He's he's dolphin fast. No one you see, he's smarter he's than, than he. he. I think there's plenty of things that are smarter than Flipper. A lot of things Flipper. smarter than Flipper. <laughs> like even I shit on kids. I shit on kids all the time. I think the average child is smarter than Do you Flipper. go to school and really do their day, man? Yeah. There's a lot of things smarter than dolphins, smarter. kids. Yeah. <laughs> Dipshit dolphins. <laughs> Fuck dolphins. <laughs> All right, guys. Jay Todd Anderson. Very. It was a. It's an honor, a pleasure having Man, you. Man, it show. was really nice of you guys yeah. to have me here to where, help where, me help my book. Where know. can people find the book again? Storyboards by J. Todd Anderson dot com. And we'll one link to it. big long word. Uh huh. And leave a haiku on the website, guys. Madcastmedia.com. Leave it on. Uh, there's a Facebook comment option on there you can also you know i'll also open it up to facebook comments on other posts as well because i post this on my maddox rules account my maddox page maddox university There's, it's all over the place madcast media facebook page but uh we'll be having the results of that soon i love it That's and let great. us let us know what you think of ron's babcock tip i'm really curious of the mouth scraper thing yeah i don't i'm gonna run out and buy one tonight yeah, yeah. it'll cost you like 50 cents and yeah. your breath will smell better cheaper than breath mints yeah well are they we'll- biodegradable uh, I mean, you know, every, everything, everything is. is at some point, right? Everything is eventually. Yeah. Anyway, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you again to the Rear Admiral Tandis Ron Babcock. Hey. Thank you to the honorable guest, J. Todd Anderson. My pleasure. Thank you, fellas, for having me on. But most of all, you're welcome. Hey, fuckface. It's Step. Step. Just say Step. Dude. It's not Stepis. It's not whatever the fuck you think it is. It's just Step. No idea. Jesus, dude. Yeah, what What are you... Uh, I have no idea what he's <laughs> talking about. Yeah, and did you hear how he started out the voicemail too? Listen to this. Hey, fuckface. It's Step. <laughs> just, you know what? Just context, man. Just Give a little context. bit of context. Yeah, doesn't matter how I screwed up. How about some context? Yeah. Who said what? When? Uh-huh. Referring to what? Yeah. Hey, Maddox, it's Steve, not Dwayne. Great. Okay. Don't have no idea what you're fucking talking yeah. about. Hey there. Don't forget to subscribe to Madcast shows on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Okay, bye. Madcast Media Network. <laughs> <laughs>